Welcome to the Truth About Public Sector podcast. The public sector is a key component of our society. Sometimes, as a member of the public, it can be difficult to understand what challenges they are facing, the solutions they are implementing, and fundamentally, how that affects our day-to-day lives. The purpose of this podcast is to shine a light on topics and issues that are prevalent in the public sector, and hopefully, by shining a light on these problems and the solutions being implemented, it will drive a greater level of engagement from the public with public sector organisations across the UK. Welcome back. All of us in local authority need to ask ourselves this question when we're looking at programmes. What is the point of this programme? Why are we pursuing this programme at this time? And today I'm talking with an expert at getting programmes to work. He's lived many lives, he's worked in many sectors, but what is a consistent theme is he has achieved genuine output and genuine value add. Ray, thank you so much for coming on. How are you? I'm well. I'm I'm quite excited to do this podcast. Amazing. Well, first question, what is a programme and why go to the effort? And that's a question that a lot of people have asked me when, when I've gone into roles and I've worked, as you say, in a range of sectors. Um, well, I suppose a, a programme is a way of delivering change and transformation in a structured, managed environment. Um, it is about understanding what it is you want to deliver, how you want to deliver it, what the changed organisation or thing will look like at the end and it's a way of an organization it gives visibility communication um and inclusivity to changes and transformations in organizations um and forgive me if i just keep going on but one of the things that is key is that these things don't stand alone when you're transforming an organization it has to be in the context generally of a strategy you need, you know, you need to have a business plan in private sector. You need to have a strategy in the public sector. What is it we're trying to do? Why are we trying to do it? And how best can we manage that with resources, time, etc.? So there's a, it has to be within an organisational context. It's really important. Um, and I suppose other questions that need to be asked when, when contemplating a transformation or an, another type, any other type of program, is. Um, why do we need this change? Um, why hasn't the organisation evolved to be able to deliver it? Um, and are we just trying to rebadge BAU for political purposes? Um, so those are some really important questions to think before, if you like, you step off the edge into a programme. I think one of the things that you and I have talked about off air quite a lot, which I really, I really, really relate to, I really relate to it, is you know, asking the question, do the benefits and risks represent value for money? And and how difficult is it as someone who goes into organisations to help unlock potential and to drive these change programmes, Ray? How hard is it to actually make that determination if it is worth and it is value for money? Sometimes, I suppose, it, it can be really difficult because quite often when I'm called in, there's either a programme started or a programme needs standing up or, or, or accelerating. And quite often a political will or a decision previously will will cloud the issues that there's an organizational it's almost like running downhill it's really difficult to stop and if you like the the pressure of 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 a political or other executive or board decision is quite it's quite difficult and and the risks and the benefits get skewed so there's it's important to be aware of the risks and those can be various you know you can have program risks 
strategic risks, business risks. There are there are specifications, but I suppose intuitively, organisations understand what the risks of a program might be. The benefits, the benefits, and this is probably where programs and projects different are different. The benefits can be really amorphous. You know, we want to transform. You know, there's a shiny thing on the horizon that you can't quite see, and I see that quite a lot because it's a buzzword, and people don't really sometimes appreciate that. So, and so the benefits can, if you like, become self-fulfilling prophecies. They're set out at the start because that's what the intention is. And therefore, of course, they'll be realised because everything is, is pointing at those. It's important to stand back, be objective and, and, and look strategically, which is why I think, and it's an interesting point and maybe a bit contentious. I think it's useful to get external resource in. And it's the danger of subject matter experts. Um, I think it was Isaac Newton, and, and I might be misquoting him entirely, said that you can't observe a system objectively when you're part of it. It is true. Um, subject matter experts are already great, great knowledge and insight, but of course their view may be clouded. Similarly, those people from within organisations, if they're buried in the thing, can't stand back stand up and look at it so when looking at benefits and risks it's important to try and be objective and get external partners or people from other parts of the business organization in to think about implications because no parts of the business stand alone either i think that's so important and it's it's, it's having the ability as a consultant as yourself going to organizations um or, or you know taking that step back and to have that objective view as to does this make sense does it still align to what our corporate objectives are and does it still constitute value for money how do you go about scoping a programme? Um, scoping is really interesting. I, I'll, you know, I, I sort of indicated it. So there's something about ambitious ambition versus political expectation, capability and capacity. Um, I've seen in numerous organisations and I've, I've been an interim for a number of years and I had what I call proper jobs before that. And I've worked in management consultancy, private sector, NHS, central government, local government. I, I, I've done a whole range of things. Um, and sometimes the ambition, that's great. You need to stretch organisations, especially in the transformation journey. But it outstrips capability and capacity. And that's really important to understand what you can deliver. And, and that's where the scoping comes in, because people are, and I get it, quite often more ambitious than their organisation can manage. And if you start on that point, then it, it's not going to work. It's going to be really difficult to deliver the benefits and outcomes that the programme needs. So I think there's something about realism. And again, it's that sort of system tension about the political or board expectations of delivery. And those need to be set out and clarified really clearly early on. So you've got to have, you know, you, you've got to understand what the vision the scope it is. You've got to understand and have some insight into what the end state looks like. And that's where you scope. And as I said, have, you know, if you don't have consultants in, have, make sure there are critical friends within the organisation and listen to the hard stuff. It can be really difficult, but it's really important to scope. You can always, and scope creep is, a, is an endemic problem right through all sectors, you can, change, you can expand the scope later on. It's almost impossible to narrow the scope once you've started. So it is that old um, acronym, it's, it's KISS, and you can spell it with two S's or one, depending on how polite you are. Um, but it is about keeping it simple, manage within your capacity and capability. Um, otherwise, 
you'll end up running on the spot and you won't deliver. So scoping is, is important. So about capacity, capability, ambition, uh, realism and understanding what the changed organisation, business or path of business will look like at the end. So you're an expert in making programmes work, fair to say. What do you think, as that professional expert, what's needed to support a programme to be successful? Um, so you, you certainly need commitment right through the organisation. And again, my experience is that people should assume commitment is from leadership, which is really important. You know, have the chief exec, the board, whoever's standing up, waving the flag and go, follow me, this is great. But you need it, it needs to run as a flavour right through the organisation. From those people at the coalface delivering the service, those people that are going to be involved in the change and all the surrounding parts of the business. So it's really important that you get commitment. And again, that, that helps things like objectives being really clear, what the benefits are, what the risks are up front. Um, resilience, it can be really, really difficult. So, you know, if, if something starts to go wrong or goes wrong or there are clouds on the horizon, you have to stick to your guns. Not be incredibly stiff-necked, change is necessary. And indeed, um, I always talk to fellow programme managers about how we manage our own lives, etc. Of course, if you're involved in change, you should be used to change. And therefore, as a programme manager, programme director or some or senior responsible officer or, or, or any of those things, you need to be able to change, but within parameters um, and flexible and therefore flexibility. There's a, people can be dogmatic either about methodologies or about what they're intending to deliver. And, and sometimes you need to stand back from the dog and say, well, what are we really trying to do? What's the change? What's the transformation? What's the outcome we're trying to achieve here? And have that in mind. Um, and then, of course, there's the, the dreaded R word, um, resources. Um, it is about cutting cloth. It's fine getting people like me in, but it needs to stick. That's the thing is that I hope when I leave organisations, the stuff that I've done and worked with, I try and hand over the skills and the understanding, the insight, um, and make sure that the, the momentum and the culture has changed, that there is a continued momentum in delivering the programme or the change business as usual or whatever, um, and that all, that people within the business have got the skills to hold this thing up. Because quite often, and it's a problem with projects and programmes, they're temporary structures. Um, but the longer they go on, the more embedded they become. And I've seen it in, when, I, when I've worked with management and for management consultancies. You withdraw from a business or organisation and suddenly the balloon deflates. All the oomph that you put in just disappears and it, and it clams. Organisations will retreat to the BAU piece because it's, it's easy and it's comfortable. Excuse me, I've got the, the dreaded lurgy. I do apologise. Um, in terms of methodology use to move a programme forward, how does that work? What, what do you think about methodologies being utilised in programmes? They're really important um, and there are lots of them out there, but it's about the pragmatic application. I think people use documentation methodologies as a comfort blanket and they are important. They're really important to add structure, um, decision points, um, transparency in. Um, but if you stick to them slavishly, if you go from page one to page 348 and produce all the documents, you'll have a fantastic audit trail, but you may not have delivered everything. In the NHS, they used to have a saying, um, and I better be careful to say, I'll, I'll paraphrase it. Um, 
it was hitting the target and missing the point, um, which is really important. Um, and, and, and another one that goes alongside it, you know, with the surgeon saying the operation was success, the patient died. So you have to be really careful um, when using methodologies. And there are some really good ones out there. You have managing successful programs, which is a sort of build on Prince 2. You have others like uh, Lean, Agile, Scrum, Kanban, etc. A lot of those are designed either as projects, so for outputs as opposed to outcomes, or for certain industries. So I've worked as an IT project manager. And whilst IT is really difficult, it's like a story. You have a beginning, middle, and an end. And clearly defined output you know when you get success organizational change programs which are prevalent in the public sector are much more difficult to nail down so methodologies designed for other things are helpful and useful but shouldn't be used slavishly and sometimes you take shortcuts it's important to have as i said auditability if that's the word um so they're useful as a framework but um don't follow them slavishly. It just adds paper to people's days. It's absolutely spot on. And one of the key points that you and I have talked about before is not being afraid to say no or stop when you're completing a program. Is that difficult as an interim? It's virtually impossible. As an interim, it's easier. Um, you know, quite frankly, interims and forgive me are disposable goods. You don't like what we're there to impart knowledge, do something and then go. So in a way, as an interim, it's easier to say this isn't this isn't working. This isn't going to happen for the following reasons. You need evidence quite clearly. It can't just be an intuitive feeling. The only time I really successfully stopped a large program of investment it was in a big case tracking IT system for a government department some years ago. Um, I was doing some business case analysis and looking at the value for money. Um, and I, I spoke to the director of finance and I said, you spend X hundred thousand on this. You've achieved nothing. You're going to have to spend several times that to achieve anything. And quite frankly, it's not worth your while. You need to stop. Um, it was an interesting conversation <laughs> because politically, having invested an enormous amount of time, effort and, and, and money, um, that wasn't what they wanted to hear. But it worked. They, I, I could demonstrate it was demonstrable that by by cutting their losses, that's exactly what they were doing. And they could rethink their strategy and what they wanted to do. It did, did throw light. So that was the only time. There are other times where I've um, either um, been involved in curtailing a programme. I did a large one, a national one for the NHS, which was a two year programme. And after about, I think it was 12 or 13 months, the SRO was a very senior um, member of the NHS, rang me up and said, we need some of the money back. Can you deliver it in four months' time? Um, and I've done two-year programme plan, complex national piece. Um, and we reframed it. And actually, it, it, and I'll focus the mind, and that works. So sometimes, and it's where one of the methodologies is used, we can have things like stage dates, yes-no decisions, a, a, a programme board or other board meetings. You can just make the decision to say, OK, well, we've done enough, we've invested enough. Stopping a program is a really brave decision and it's rarely done. And that's why I think there are a number of failures uh, in the public sector because said it's running downhill and it's really difficult to stop running downhill once there's momentum. One of the things that I see in local government, and it's not a criticism, I think it's just the fact that sometimes it's easier to carry on doing something and kind of kicking the, the can along the road because 
you know, you're not going to have to confront it and kind of say that we've made an error. Um, you know, and, and it's, I think there's this renewed hope that with offlog coming in, that and there'll be more kind of, you know, it's not about criticizing. It's more about just acknowledging if something isn't working, say sooner. You know, it's better to say sooner, face into those difficult conversations at an early point because it saves money. It's more efficient. Yep. You've you've mentioned to me about avoiding the program trap. What What is the program trap? It was exactly what I, I've said is that one, there's getting into a program because it's a thing that people do. You know, think you really want it. Do you really need this structure, this organisation, this resource commitment? Is it the best use of our resources and our time? Can we can we achieve the change in another way? Um, because there are there's that cliche about culture change for breakfast or, or whatever it is. It's about programs are quite often about cultural change and they're really difficult. So there needs to be clarity on that. Um, but the other side of it, of course, is once you're in it, you can't get out of it. It's almost like a horror film. I'm surprised there hasn't been one yet. Um, you know, some program manager emerging from a dark corner with a, with a methodology book in their hand saying, I'm never going to let you go. And I, um, so there's those two sides of things. Just because you're in it doesn't mean you can't get out of it. You shouldn't get out of it. And, 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 but if you're going to start it, be committed. So those, those two things. Uh, and, and sometimes those two things merge. Um, you've decided to go for it. You realise soon after you've gone for it, that's probably not the thing, but you employ the resources. So you know, politically and otherwise, it's really difficult to stop. So there are a number of, you know, it's just being aware of that and having, and that's where, as I said, the methodology has come useful. It's, it's having decision points about, do we want to commit? Do we want to keep going with this? Is it worth the money? And could we use the resource some other way? So that's really important in terms of being uh, the programme trap. You have been successful in doing NHS projects, you've worked for Central, and now you're working for local government. Do you feel that the sectors are different? Um, in this, it's interesting. I've also worked for the private sector. I've worked for some very strong commercial entities where um, you, know, you get the wrong decision. You don't even have time to finish your lunchtime sandwich before you're out of the door. So it's interesting. But at the heart, I think it partly depends on the size and complexity of the organisation. Uh, but there isn't a significant difference. I mean, in the NHS, because there are quite often clinical considerations or clinicians involved, there are nuances to that. In local government, of course, it depends what services you're delivering. So there will be different time pressures on, for instance, social care, education, etc., as opposed to housing or recreation. So there are different considerations. But at the heart of all of them are the same considerations. There are different pressures, um, but I've seen nothing that persuades me that, that you know, managing a programme, delivering a programme in any of the sectors is that different at heart. Commitment, resilience, resource, clarity, vision, objective, structure, methodology. There are their common themes, common flavours that run across everywhere. I really admire your passion and also your strength of character because we kind of worked through today uh, talking about programs and the need there is at this core to run a program properly to add genuine value whether it's interim or whether you are running a program as a permanent member of staff you have to be able to challenge you have to be able to look yourself in the mirror and say are we on you know on cue with this and with your passion you know working with local government and with the public sector where does that come from for you where does where does the desire to make a difference come from um, I mean, I've, I've, I mean, I started off in, in central government, I suppose. Uh, I suppose it's serendipity, um, as I've seen, and, and, and we're all we're all customs of, of public services. As I've seen that, and, and seeing the changes that can be made, 
and actually some of the possibly the waste of resources or the miss the misalignment of resource used um it, it's caused me to really i care i care about what we do it's not just about money it's about doing the right thing i mean I've had a couple of roles in special education needs and disabilities, and I'm godfather to a couple of, uh, of autistic um, chaps. And you know, I can see the difference it makes, and actually how difficult these things are. So I've also worked in industry um, and seen the difference that money can make to good customer service, etc. So I mean, I, I do care, and I think. I'm passionate to a point, but I also like to think it's matched by objectivity. I can stand back. When I'm training or mentoring uh, people, one of the things I emphasise, and they laugh, and I laugh at work when I say it, is staring out the window. You need to stare out of the window. You need to reflect. That's the other thing that I would say, is that all the people involved in the programme, boards, programme managers, programme directors, the other officials, just occasionally stare out of the window, met metaphorically or literally. Think about what it is you're trying to do, what you're trying to deliver, and what the impact's going to be. What's the impact going to be? In the NHS, it was key that clinical pathways, etc., changes to process had real, real life effects. Similarly, with special education needs, social care, those have real life effects. So bear that in mind. Bear the core purpose in mind. Ray, I absolutely love that, and what a poignant moment to to finish the podcast on. Thank you so much for your time today. It's been fantastic. Pleasure. Thanks, Matt. We've been listening to Ray Wagner, who is a programme expert. If you've enjoyed this episode, please, can you give it a good five star review and follow the podcast for more interesting concepts and hopefully constructive, supportive information that will help your life if you're working in the public sector that much easier. Have a great day and stay safe. Thank you for listening to The Truth About Public Sector podcast. Now, 87% of listeners who enjoyed the podcast do not leave a review, follow the podcast or share it. Please. If you enjoyed the episode, like it, review it and share the podcast. It allows us to keep doing this podcast for free to the public. Thank you very much.